But 1 Corinthians 13 has been known as, some call it, uh, the love chapter. The love chapter. And so as you might imagine, this has been read at a whole lot of weddings. I've been a pastor for several years now, and nine times out of ten, the couples request that 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, is read at their wedding. I'm just curious to gauge who's in the room. How many, how many of you married people in the room had 1 Corinthians 13 read at your wedding? Okay, some of your hands aren't going up because I'm guessing how many of you married people have no idea what was said at your wedding? You just don't even remember. Actually, that's probably a little bit more like it. It's just a blur. It's, I don't know. I just wanted to kiss her. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Sam. I'm the technical director at Life Church Canton, and I'm also the host for this podcast. I'm so thankful that you're listening. Uh, this week, in the podcast, we are kicking off a series called Cross Equals Love, which fun fact, about a year ago, this is the first series that we produced, um, or sorry, not produced, but the first series that we released on the podcast. So uh, if you've been listening since then, you'll recognize this series. If you're, if you're new to the podcast or maybe new to the church, this is a series leading up to Easter. And um, Jared, in this particular message, is talking about 1 Corinthians 13 and love, um, as you heard from that clip at the beginning. Um, I would also encourage you, especially with this particular message, go and watch the sermon video on our website. That's Life Church Canton, excuse me, LifeChurchCanton.org. Um, Jared does a, uh, a pretty cool painting at the end of the sermon that you guys will want to see. He was an art major and is using those skills uh, to do this um, painting at the end of worship. So um, here he is preaching. Enjoy it. Good evening. Welcome to Life Church. My name is Jared and I'm one of the pastors and I decided to look back in a closet and see how much stuff I could actually bring on stage tonight and I'm going to try to figure it all out. I'm like uh, Carrot Top, the prop clown or whatever, the prop comedian. <laughs> it's all going to make sense in just a moment. Welcome to Life Church. We're glad you're here and we are in a brand new series called Cross Equals Love. Now, I say brand new series. Yeah, we can be excited about that. That's okay. Let's clap for Cross Equals Love. All right. If you're new here, you have no idea what this is all about, and, uh, but you should know we actually did this exact same series last year, but there's going to be a little bit different spin on it this year, and you're going to hear more about that as we go throughout the series. But we're excited to do Cross Equals Love, and there's a reason why we do this series, and we want to continue to do it over and over, is because we believe there, there, there's a whole lot of people in our world who don't know what true love truly is. And so we have a huge task in front of us, but also we believe, we believe that true love is best described by the cross. It's best summed up, best defined by the cross and the work of Jesus on the cross. And the cross is, is a really well-known symbol throughout really the whole world, but do we really know what it means and what it embodies? We believe that the cross equals love. We're so passionate about it, in fact, that we put it on screens, we put it on banners, on stages, and we've even put it on shirts. In fact, I want to remind you once again, if you want a Cross Equals Love shirt, they are available for purchase out in the lobby, and you can go and get one of those. Now, if you are brand new here, we have one for you that's already paid for it. We'd love to give you a shirt. All you have to do is just fill out a Connect card, either a physical card, or you can go on our Now page and fill it out there and go to the Welcome Center, and we have a shirt for you. Now, there's a reason we want you to wear a shirt, not just to stay clothed, although that's important. Uh, we want you to wear these shirts to, be, uh, uh, to serve as a reminder, that the, one, that the cross equals love, but that... Love is embodied in the cross, and the cross 
is an act of love. We want you to do acts of love and be agents of love. And be reminded of this wherever you go, whether it's by yourself or with people or with your small group. I'll talk more about that a little bit later on. But go and get one of these shirts and be love in our community. Now, we are doing a series called Cross Equals Love. Last year, we talked more about the cross part of the equation. This year, we're going to be focusing more on the love part of the equation. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through a section of Scripture in the Bible, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you want to go there, if you do have a Bible, you're certainly welcome to look on that. If you don't have a Bible, no problem. We have it on the screens for you in just a moment. But 1 Corinthians 13 has been known as, some call it, uh, the love chapter. The love chapter. And so as you might imagine, this has been read at a whole lot of weddings. I've been a pastor for several years now, and nine times out of ten, the couples request that 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, is read at their wedding. I'm just curious to gauge who's in the room. How many, how many of you married people in the room had 1 Corinthians 13 read at your wedding? Okay, some of your hands aren't going up because I'm guessing how many of you married people have no idea what was said at your wedding? You just don't even remember. Actually, that's probably a little bit more like it. It's just a blur. It's, I don't know. I just wanted to kiss her. Um, maybe that's what you were thinking about. But we're going to be talking about the love chapter. And so I want to invite you to uh, see this with me. Uh, but we're actually going to start with the last verse of the chapter that comes before it. And there's a reason for that. This is actually starting in chapter 12, verse 31 B, the second part of that verse. It says, but now, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. And then he goes into the part that maybe some of you have heard before. Love is patient, love is kind, and so on. We're going to hear more about that as we go throughout this series. But I want to start here. I want to set up the series here. Because this is an important and crucial part to understanding how we get from where we were to where we're going. We start the verse with, but now. It's kind of a weird place to start a verse. But now, let me show you a way of life that is better. Why are we starting with that section, but now? Well, it's important whenever you see phrases like that in the Bible, but now, or therefore, uh, it means that it's triggering something, that we're about to start talking about something different. We're about to start changing the subject. We're going to hear about something different, or we're going to build upon what came before. Well, in order to talk about what we're going to build upon, we have to go back to see what was recently talked about. And so what was talked about, and why it's important to keep this in the context of what Paul is talking about, is the spiritual gifts that God has given to the church to help build the church and to build one another up. Spiritual gifts are for the purpose of building the church. And that's what Paul had been talking about beforehand. And so he goes on to talk about all those different gifts, and there's gifts like teaching and faith and words of knowledge and prophecy, even speaking in tongues, which maybe is a, a new idea to some of you. We're not going to get into that right now, but maybe for another time. 
all of these gifts, really good and beautiful and wholesome things that God has given to the church to build up the church. And then Paul says, but now, but now, let me show you a way of life that is best of all. So those gifts are good. And they're there for the purpose of building up the church. But, but, if they don't possess love, if you don't possess love, if these gifts are not motivated by your love for one another, then it's all a giant waste of time. It's actually not going to build the church. All the gifts that you have, no matter how great and how spiritual they are, they're good, but if there's not love, you're not gonna build anything. I wanna use an illustration for just a moment, if I may. Uh, let's talk about this idea of building. We need to build the church. And so I want to uh, build something. And so in that process, what I need to do is I need some wood and I need to make some cuts. Now I need a tool to make these cuts. And so I've got really good tools for that. I've got myself a circular saw. This is a good tool. It's got a good blade. It's got everything I need. It's sharp. It can do the job, right? And so I go to this board and I begin to just, just try to get at it. Give me a second. Now I'm, I'm getting there. I mean, it's taken some pieces of wood off. I'm almost there. We're gonna get there. We're gonna get this thing cut. I'm missing something, aren't I? What am I missing? Oh, power, right, okay. Yeah, I could do that. Uh, so I need to plug it in, obviously. Uh, some of you are like, this guy didn't have a cup of coffee this morning. I had three. Uh, so here we go, now I can get started. All right, and I can cut that wood, and I can get going. This seems like an obvious point. Maybe a little cheesy. Maybe it's like, okay, of course that's what you would need to do. And yes, it's maybe even a, a little bit ridiculous until we compare it to the church and what Paul is talking about and what should seem so obvious to us oftentimes isn't because oftentimes churches are missing the key ingredient, the power source, if you will. They're trying to do a lot of different things. They've got all the great talent, all the great teachers and programs and different organizational techniques that they have to build these churches, gifts of the spirit that have been given, and it looks really good. In fact, there's whole churches and organizations that are built around specific gifts. And well, I go to that church because they have the best facility, or I go to that organization because they seem to be the most generous, or I go to that church because they, had just, they just have really, really good teaching. But Paul says if they don't have love, if the church doesn't love each other, Pointless, and maybe even destructive. See, when I was messing around with the saw and it's not plugged in and I'm just beating this piece of wood, I'm actually ruining the wood. I'm not making any progress at all. And so it's obvious to all of you and to me that I have to plug it in to make a nice clean cut, to make any kind of progress, to build something. If we don't have love, Paul says, your gifts are worthless. Your tools are pointless, no matter how fancy they are, no matter how talented you might be. Paul is making a serious, serious point here. 
See, we could show up to church and check off all the boxes, but if we don't love each other, then all our work is done in vain and it actually doesn't accomplish anything of any eternal significance. That's a key point. A lot of things done, a lot of good things done in the world, not in the name of Christ or not in the name of love. And I don't mean to take away from those things, but for us, for the church, remember, let's keep it in the context of what Paul is talking about. He's talking about the church. If the church does all of this activity without love, it has no eternal significance. Now, this is important to recognize. So if we don't love each other right now, then we completely miss the reality that love is actually part of our future. Love is the central component of our future. I've heard somebody say it this way before, that love is not just our duty, it's our destiny. It's where this is all going. It's our destination, if you will. See, the Bible refers to this future this future plan, this thing that you and I hope for as the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth when God's rule and reign intersects with our world, God's space and our space coming together perfectly as one. In other words, when Jesus returns and restores and renews and rescues all of creation, not only will it be motivated by love, but love will be there. Does that make sense? Love is going to be our destination. Paul talks about this at the end of the chapter. He says, now in this present moment, now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then in the future, when Jesus returns, we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. It's almost as if love is the language that they speak in the new creation. And so we do well right now to start learning that language. We absolutely have to learn that language, especially in our churches. See, I said earlier, we believe that there's a whole world that doesn't necessarily know what true love truly is. How will they learn it if not from us? Because there's a lot of divided churches in our world, and I would even say there's a lot of division within churches themselves. And so the world, as outside observers, on the outside looking in, says, Y'all can argue against each other amongst yourselves. I'm just going to stand back here. They want nothing to do with our churches because we can't even learn how to love one another. Paul is serious about the nature of this. We have to learn how to love one another. Otherwise, our gifts, our efforts are all done in vain. If you don't love each other, you're not going to make an impact on anybody. What is love? How exactly does Paul describe this love? Well, there's a few different ways that they would have understood love in the Greek world. 2,000 years ago, they speak Greek. Paul writes this letter in Greek. And they have many different forms of love, and so therefore different words for different kinds of love. We use one word 
to communicate all things. I love God. I love tacos. I love my jeans. You know, like it's all kind of the same sort of love, and it's really hard to understand how much difference they bring about. Well, Paul uses a Greek word. There's a variety of different Greek words. I want to show you, in fact, on the screen, just a few of these Greek words. And I'm not going to go through all of them. You might even recognize some of them. Eros is a romantic or even a sexual love. It's the kind of love that we get this word erotic, which isn't a bad word. Uh, it's only negative when it becomes distorted or even perverted. And then, and then we have a different understanding of what that word means. But eros, a romantic kind of love. Maybe you'd recognize that second one, philia. Philia is affectionate love, or it's also referred to as a brotherly love. There's a city named after this kind of love. Maybe you know it. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. Now, I've met Eagles fans, and they're not all that loving. Um, so they're not living up to their name, but that's for another story another day. Maybe you even recognize that last one, mania, maybe a, a kind of obsessive love that we don't necessarily want to be associated with. All of these are different words, Greek words, for different kinds of love. But here's the thing, none of these words show up in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul uses a different word. And it's this word, agape. Agape love. An unconditional love. It's a love that is without conditions. It's without merit. You can't earn it. You can't work for it. It's a, it's a love that, in a sense, gives and gives and gives and, and expects nothing else in return. Unconditional, agape love. Now again, this is the kind of love that Paul is talking about, but in the context of the church. How do we agape love one another in the church. Why does that even matter? Here's what I think happens. Sometimes I think we think that the kind of love that we're supposed to experience in a church looks maybe a little bit like some of those other kinds of loves. Maybe, maybe a warm, fuzzy kind of love, a feel-good kind of love. And so we go to these churches and we hope for all of the great things, all of the great gifts. And I go to that church because of that facility, or I go to that church because of that special teacher, or I go to that church because they do X, Y, or Z. And I hope to feel a certain kind of love when I'm there at that church. But if I don't, if I don't feel warm and fuzzy when I go to that church or when I go to that organization, well, then what do I do? I just pick up my stuff, I pick up my kids, and I go to another church that works for my conditions. Or I'll just hop from church to church to church until I can find the thing, find the church, find the organization that works for me. But that's, not, that's not agape love. That's a love with conditions. Paul's calling for a different kind of love within this community that requires something greater, something deeper. How is agape defined for the church? Well, in fact, that's what we're going to be discussing for the next several weeks. An agape, unconditional, unmerited, unearned kind of love. That's why we want you to come back every single week to hear these different kinds of love. We're going to be going verse by verse through this chapter, talking about the different kinds of love that Paul describes. But one thing for sure is this, is that agape love 
is sacrificial. It is sacrificial. It gives of itself. It gives away. See, these verses, although they are used at weddings often, and that's okay, it's, it's good for us to talk about these verses in the context of a marriage, a marriage relationship at a wedding. Because it's important that people know what love actually looks like, that it is, in fact, sacrificial. It's not necessarily just about you. In fact, it isn't about you. And so whenever I've preached about these verses at somebody's wedding, I've said, hey, now it's important that you love like this, but even more importantly, it's important that you recognize that this love is actually embodied in the person of Jesus. And so if you want to love like this, great, but you should know it's more importantly to be connected to Jesus. And not only to be connected to Jesus, but to the event of the cross where sacrificial love is embodied. The cross equals love. Agape love. Sacrificial love. Well, if the cross equals love, then our love should look like the cross. It's really simple math, right? Super simple. Until you start living into the reality of what that actually looks like. Until you realize that you have to give of yourself to love like this kind of love that Paul's talking about. To live and to love sacrificially is hard. It just is. That's why we have to look to Jesus. That's why we constantly have to be encountering him, in relationship with him, following him so that we know how to be like him. To be sacrificial. To connect ourselves with the cross and the crucifixion. See, the event of the cross is an act of sacrifice. Some of you might be in the room and you're saying, yeah, but why the cross? Like, why is that so significant? Maybe you've even grown up hearing over and over again, well, Jesus died on the cross for you. Jesus died on the cross for you. And you're thinking, I didn't ask him to die on the cross for me. But it's deeper than that. See, for the people of God hundreds of years ago, in fact, years before Jesus even showed up on the scene, the people of God, the Hebrew people, had a sacrificial system that they employed in order to be in right standing or to be righteous in the presence of God. Of God. Now, it's not just unique to the people of God, the Hebrew people of God. Uh, this was known through, all throughout the ancient world, different forms of sacrificial systems and different ways that they would sacrifice certain pieces of agriculture or animals or whatever it might be, maybe even children in some cases, to appease their gods. The Hebrew people are no different, but it's done in a slightly different way. And so what they would do within their sacrificial system is God comes close to them in a sense. His presence is with them in the atonement, in their ability to sacrifice on their behalf for their sin and their brokenness and the fracture and the evil that they experience in the world so that God and his love and his grace and his mercy can flow. And they have this whole very complex systems, uh, system, but one of the things that they would do is they would sacrifice an unblemished, a clean, a perfect lamb. 
would be known as the Lamb of God to take away the sins of the people. And they would do this. Well, then Jesus shows up. He begins to talk differently about the person of God. In fact, he shows up in one scene and somebody shouts out, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins, not just of the Hebrew people, but of the world. It's a different way of understanding God. He begins to talk about God in a way that he really understands something differently because he is, in fact, God. Begins all of this process of healing and forgiveness, all of what the sacrificial system was supposed to accomplish. And essentially, he communicates that the only way to be righteous, the only way to be in good standing with God, is by believing in me and following me and my way of life. See, this is radical. And as you might imagine, it upsets a handful of people. On one hand, it upsets the Jewish religious leaders because you're messing with their system that they've known and that they've facilitated for hundreds of years. So they're upset about it. On another hand, it upsets the Roman Empire at the time. The Roman Empire understands that their leader, Caesar, is the son of God and yet Jesus is talking about himself and others are talking about him as the son of God. And so they're a little frustrated. So we've got the Roman Empire leaders. We've got the Jewish religious leaders that are conspiring together to say, yeah, we got to get rid of this guy. He's a threat. And it just so happens that they use a Roman torture device that happens to be a cross. It's not unique to Jesus. Jesus just happens to be another criminal, another victim subjected to their pain and their torture and ultimately their way of execution. There was many more that came before Jesus and many more that would come after who would also die on a cross. But when Jesus does it, it carries a different weight. There's a different weight to it because in his death on the cross, as he's the perfect, unblemished lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He allows himself to be killed for the forgiveness of sins, not just for the Hebrew people, but for the whole world and for a new future. He becomes the sacrifice once and for all to end all other sacrifices. And he also puts away the Roman system of death because three days later he rises again. He is resurrected to new life to show that Roman execution and death can't stop God. He's still in charge. And now love and grace and mercy can flow from God. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. Yet he gives himself away. This is why it's agape love. Because it's a love that you cannot earn by your own. And it's a powerful God that says to all of humanity, I am giving up my power the way you understand power in a worldly sense. I'm giving up that power and my rights. I'm coming close to you. And redefining what power looks like. A completely different capacity. 
and there's a chance that you might not love me back. That's agape love. It's true power. Knowing that you have it, but also knowing when and how to restrain it and when to release it. Why the cross? Why is it powerful? Why is it different? Why is it unique? See, Jesus had performed enough miracles to show that he was God, to show that he would have the power even and the ability to remove himself from the event of the cross. But he doesn't. I've heard it said this way before, that all our sin and our hatred and our thirst for greed and power and bigotry and violence nailed him to the cross, put him on the cross, but it was his love that kept him there. I want us to continue to talk about the cross, and we will, and we'll always talk about the cross at this church, but today, I want us to experience the cross in a different way, in a new way. And so the band's gonna come out and they're gonna play a song If you've been coming here a while, it's a song that you know, maybe that you're familiar with, and it's about this never-ending, never-failing love. That's agape love. So what I want to invite you to do is to reflect on what that love actually means for you and for this church so that we can make an impact on the whole world. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, dear Life Church, since God loved us, that much we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. The Bible says that God is love that you and I are created in the image of God. So we, we do well to reflect that kind of love. The cross equals love. How do we begin to live this out? How do we do this? Because it's hard. It requires service, it requires giving of ourselves, giving of our time to be about something that is of eternal significance, not just for my conditions and what it means for me. That's why we constantly invite you to serve in little ways and in big ways so that you can start to begin to connect to the heart of God who gives his whole life away. We try to create ways for you to serve your community. It's why we're wearing shirts And going out in our community, maybe you might go with your small group and serve a neighbor, serve somebody in need. Maybe some of you 
are looking for a way to serve this church, to use your gifts to build up the church in love. We've created a way for you to do that. On our Now page, you can meet with Pastor Kate and talk about what service looks like. She's got a huge heart for service. Then some of you, you don't know this agape love. You haven't experienced this in your life. My prayer is that today, God has begun to peel, peel back some of the layers of your heart so that you can know him and experience his love for the first time. And so if that's you, I want you to pray with me. I wanna invite all of you to stand if you are able. And would you pray with me, please? God, we don't always know what you're like, how to describe you. Sometimes we try to put you in a box. But if we can live with love and we can truly love one another, we begin to see what it is that you're like. God, thank you for the cross, for showing us what sacrificial agape love looks like. And God, I pray for anybody in this room who doesn't know you, who doesn't know what true love truly is. God, that you would draw them close to you. That they would commit their lives, their whole self to you and be invited into a church that is motivated by love and preparing itself for a future where love is our destiny. Hey, thanks so much for listening. If you want to find out more information about Life Church Canton or other churches in the Life Church Network, text I'm New to 734 349 3475 or fill out the form linked in the show notes below and someone from the church will reach out to you with more information. If you came to Life Church Canton for the first time this past weekend, we would love to know about it. We believe that life isn't meant to be lived in isolation, but we want to connect with you and learn to live like Jesus in community together. If you want to email the show, you can do that at podcast at lifechurchcanton.org. You can subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying it, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. Once again, my name is Sam Parham, and you've been listening to the Life Church Canton podcast. Have a great week, everybody.